You're listening to Cinepunk. This episode, put on a happy face. I'm your host, Robert J.E. Simpson. Todd Phillips' 2019 film Joker was something of a phenomenon, a movie based on the long-running Batman franchise, but without any of the superhero trappings that are usual within the Marvel and DC franchises. Joaquin Phoenix's titular performance earned him widespread adulation, but the film was not without its detractors, the depiction of mental illness within the film coming in for criticism. Is the Joker too on PC for the 21st century, or does he throw a lens on the harsh realities of a global mental health problem? That's a fairly big question for our first podcast record of lockdown, but here we are. And from our computers across the land, I am joined by my erstwhile colleagues, Dr. Rachel Kelly. Hello. And Ben Simpson. Hello. I don't know how we've managed to get like two and a half months into lockdown before we've actually managed to do this as a as a virtual record. Oh, well, you know, we're all really busy in lockdown and yeah. Well, it's not that we haven't been. I mean, we've actually been working away on content, but it's just this is the first chance we've had to, to well, sit down. And, and we had to wait for y- your stuff and your internet. That's true. So, That's true. It's all, it's all about the tech, isn't it? Yeah, it's all about the tech. Once the tech was there, then th- then it was easy. <laughs> I just do what I'm told. <laughs> you do it all. Oh, dear. So this is just a little bit different for us folks, um, not being in the same room, but having the conversations. But thankfully, we're gonna, thanks to the wonders of technology, we can all see each other. Um, thanks to Zoom, which seems to just have the the, the, the dominance at the moment. Um, but yeah, we're going to carry on for today. Um, so, Joker is where we're going to start with this one, which was... Yeah, Joker. That was fun. That was a fun film. <laughs> Did you not enjoy it? Enjoy would be the wrong word, I think. Um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's performance was mesmerizing. Um, I will generally watch most things even tangentially connected to Batman. Um, I think the character of the Joker is fascinating. Um, And there I run out of nice things to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Ben, what do you think? Well, um, I thought it was incredible. Um, I loved the character, like some of the scenes in that film, like when you see his body, when you see his his body, like with his shirt off and all, and the bruises, and how skinny and everything he is, and like I think, like for him to get in to that shape for for that movie, you know, it's it's quite like it's like how how on earth do you do that healthily that's crazy um but like it, it was very dark I, I i like dark stuff um so like this this was right up my street i, I went places where I'd, i i wasn't really expecting i kind of thought i was gonna go there but then um there's this whole thing it's like is it real you know We'll, yeah. we'll get to that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I like dark to a certain extent. And I think dark is, it's it's appropriate. I mean, that's where the Batman franchise, rightly or wrongly, finds itself. And rightly, as far as I'm concerned, that's part of the appeal for me. Yeah. Um, but this, for me, was not so much dark. It's just bleak. I mean, it was bleak. Uh, I, and... <laughs> What I find difficult to understand is how you make a film about the Joker and make it so completely devoid of joy. Now, the Joker as a character is, I mean, it's you've, you've got to be able to enjoy the character to a certain extent. I mean, it doesn't really take much unpicking to go, actually, it's, not, it's probably not okay to enjoy this character because he's just really doing some horrible things and enjoying the horrible things that he's doing but um there has to be that element of oh joker you rapscallion you mm. <laughs> um even when he is being horrifying even when he's being terrifying and some of the iterations of joker have gone to that really deep dark level um but you sense that the joker's having fun and while that's not necessarily in fact it's no in no way a good thing i mean he's having fun by doing awful things to people yeah 
but that kind of lifts the, the the tone of it enough to be able to enjoy it. I mean, there's nothing to enjoy with this Joker. He's just he's just tragic. His life is horrendous. Um, Gotham City as well. I, it's barely even Gotham. I mean, Gotham is redeemable. That's that's the that's the essence of Gotham. That's why Batman fights so hard for it. Is it's redeemable. It's just absolutely shit. And yeah, this is absolutely shit. But where is the capacity for redemption in this this Gotham Gotham City? Hmm. I just, it's just. I, I I do I mean I I think this might very well be the way superhero films end up going because we were constantly hearing about how you know the superhero films a bubble where you know it's a cycle but we're getting, we're getting to the end of it there's only so much you can do with them um we've been hearing this for what 10 15 years now this is this isn't a superhero film in but, any way shape or form no it's not and that's which is what I which find is actually interesting well for me this is what I really liked about it because mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you guys are well aware that I have limited patience and tolerance for the superhero movies because they, they I don't know, they, I just find them so samey, so repetitive, and just too. They've, they've got to a point now where they're too far removed. I, I cannot okay. suspend my disbelief yeah. long enough. You don't have to like the superhero films. You know, it, it's perfectly all right not to enjoy a genre of films, but then don't destroy that genre of films to make it more but, like the films that you like <laughs> but i don't think this is a case of having destroyed that that genre of films this is something else i mean this this is part of um this was meant to be the start of the the dc black line which was meant to be these sort of standalone films that were outside the traditional mc you know mcu dc type mm-hmm. um sort of shared university stuff and yes, folks, I do know that DC and Marvel are two different companies with no overlapping par- uh, franchises. I should hope so. We've been that. friends for a while here, Robert. Okay, if you don't, then I'm remiss in some way. <laughs> um, but like this is meant to be something slightly different, and it's it sort of seems to have given them a chance to to get um, to make films that are just great as films. But you see, the thing is, when you actually start reading about what Todd Phillips was hoping to accomplish with this, is he was. It, to a certain extent trying to subvert the superhero industry he says you know we're going to make we're, we're going to make a real film um and we're going to get it onto the radar just by pretending it's a superhero film now that's not what superhero films are for you you know me i am i am a massive fan of escapist uh, hollywood cinema mm. it's why i am interested in it and that broad appeal that it has the the ability to reflect back the, the the joy and the escapism is part of what interests me about it um, and i see no harm in enjoying silliness in film at all for the sake of silliness in film um, so i don't see any need to reinvent the superhero film in a way that makes it depressing batman is always going to have that darkness about him always that's the enjoyment with batman that's why i find that character so endlessly fascinating but there's a difference between darkness and bleakness. Are you gatekeeping? Maybe. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no, absolutely I'm not. That's the whole thing. I mean, for me, this was something that was so different and so fresh. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the, the uh, Tim Burton Batmans, which I know, Rachel, you're not. Um, I'm not, not a fan. But uh, you're not very keen on Tim Burton. I'm not very keen on Tim Burton, but I, I, I'm not very keen on the fact that his Batman kills people. But um, I, I don't know what he was doing with the Penguin, quite <laughs> frankly. No idea what was happening there. But yeah, he's oh, got Jack we... Nicholson as the Joker. Well, we'll, 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 we'll come back to, to Jack Nicholson in, in, in a bit. But I mean, for me, like the, the, the Joker uh, as a film went somewhere slightly different this went to 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 sort of those dark places it was unexpected i mean it was a it's a low budget film by hollywood standards Mm -hmm. it cost something like 50 million dollars and it grossed over a billion oh yeah it made all the money in the entire world like it's the highest uh earning r-rated film in history i think isn't it I think so. Which, which is, I mean, just in terms of of, of sort of cost to profit margin, you mm. can't help but respect it. But they, I don't even think they I expected say, it to go that way. But that's why I say this: this is possibly a, a pivotal moment for superhero films because now they know they can make a you know quote unquote superhero film on a low budget and make stupid amounts of money from it. If you're looking at the laws of diminishing returns, where you're having to invest higher and higher and higher amounts of money in CG uh, fast superhero films. 
um, such as you know all those those Avengers films, which apparently cost all the money in the entire world. Uh, yes, they're making back money, but you've got a massive risk there versus the Joker, where you put a relatively low amount of money into into the film and then you get a lot of money back. Well, surely, surely anybody in Hollywood with a lick of sense is going to be going cha-ching. This is now what we do. And you cannot possibly do that with the majority of superheroes without significantly altering what that superhero is. I mean, the Joker probably, to a certain extent, lends itself to that possibly and it's it's a very unexplored origin story anyway uh, what what does dc sound for detective comics or something like that yeah which for me this this feels like it sits better within that sort of detective remit this it's, is more it's of a, taxi driver this film this is brill i mean I, but this, this but is taxi this driver is, exists and it wasn't well, it's very king much of comedy, isn't it? Is this is king of comedy? It's not taxi. It's basically <laughs> Scorsese does superhero film. Is is uh, it's it's so clearly what Phillips is going for here. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not. It is not a superhero film. There's no superhero in this. I mean, he's that not even there. a super villain. He's just a regular villain at this point. This is that not. Batman's in it. Pardon. Batman's in it. Bruce, Bruce Wayne is in it. Maybe yeah. Batman's in it. Yeah, but he's not Batman then. No, but all the nods are there. The 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 Wayne figure in this film is a tit. Um, that's got Tom- some some lineage in the comics. Uh huh. Um, in in recent more recent years, decades, I suppose. Now there's some lineage of of trying to kind of unsanctify the Thomas Wayne legacy. So I, I I mean I think this film is certainly it's not deeply deeply familiar with the comic heritage but it's not unfamiliar with the comic heritage. I mean I know we don't want to go down this this line particularly um, because we could absolutely disappear into a rabbit hole here. Well no it's okay. It's, ben, ben and I will, will will basically be quiet for a couple of minutes and Rachel you can, you can tell our uh, listeners about the the comic heritage of of the uh, of this where where the the comic influences are within this narrative. Okay, because well, I, mean, I mean I'm interested to know as well. I don't know the, I I don't know the comics particularly well. I only really know Batman from the films and the 1960s TV series, and the TV series actually the, the little sort of films that they made before that. Um, well, I mean the first thing you kind of need to know about Batman is that the canon is just insane. There's there's huge huge amounts of it, and I um going to risk the ire of people who are much more knowledgeable than me if I try to present myself as an expert in this. I went through a great big Batman phase a couple of years back where I read everything I could get my hands on. I barely cracked the surface of Batman canon. Um, But I did read Killing Joke as part of a part of this. Um, You know, it's I it's a fascinating it's a fascinating look into I mean, it's it's, as far as I know, it's the first uh, attempt to engage with an origin story for the Joker. Um, and a lot of what it's trying to do is very similar to what Joker, the film, is trying to do. Um, in that it's, you know, this this ordinary guy who is, he's got the ambitions of being a stand-up comic, but then he just has the worst day of his entire life and it drives him crazy. Um, and then later on in the future, he tries to show Commissioner Gordon just how easily a good man can be tipped into craziness by significant trauma, repeated trauma. So, um, you know, Joker, uh, Joker's got a pregnant wife who um, she and the unborn baby die in a household accident and he loses his job and um, falls into a vat of chemicals, of course. Um, and and that, that leads to his complete and utter mental breakdown, which is what obviously is the, the process going on to a certain extent in Joker. Um, and it is this idea that just by piling on and piling on and piling on, um, you, you risk destroying the core, the, the core of a, a person who is essentially basically good um, and leaving them with absolutely no investment in humanity whatsoever. So, and I know that that is one of the, I mean, it's, it's one of the stated influences um, in Joker, of course, you know, I think to, to a very great um to a very great level, the, the the primary influence on Joker is um, early 80s Scorsese. I mean, it's it's so clear. I mean, even the the time scale of it being set in 1981, 
but this is definitely a film that is familiar with Batman lore and Joker lore. I mean, for goodness sake, the, the Waynes are coming out of Zorro, the gay, the gay blade, um, when they, you know, they're, they're struck down in the, the alleyway. Yeah. I mean, so it's the 1981 uh, film that was about Zorro as opposed to, uh, I think it's the mask of Zorro traditionally, isn't it? Ah, that's so bad not to be able to remember that. Right. But you, as you I say, Batman me. canon, Batman lore is huge. It, it it is vast, uh, and why we're, we're choosing not to go down too much down the the, the Batman canon route. Um, ben as a character, um, <clears throat> I mean, you sort of already talked about the physicality of Joaquin Phoenix's performance within this, yeah, yeah. Um, which is undeniably. I mean, I was watching it again last night, and the contortions that he twists himself into, yeah, when he's got his shirt off and stuff, and just watching that body. Yeah, uh, and and the way that he runs, which I, mean, I don't know if you noticed, but every time he runs, he looks like he's got great big fat clown, clown shoes on. Yeah, yeah. even yeah. when he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's such a nice physical touch. I mean, as, a, as an actor, Whacking Phoenix is just um, it really has excelled. Um, but I mean, how do you feel about the character generally, and how do you feel about about Joker, and how uh, like the Joker, and how do you feel about this Joker, Ben? Um, like I've, I've seen um, obviously the the was it what do you call it Christian Bale Batman wasn't that oh him? it was Dark Knight Dark Knight yeah um I was like that Joker c- compared to uh, Walking's one um they're kind of similar but they're not um there's like there's a darkness with both of them but there it it comes from a different like the the joker uh the in the dark knight um has a lot of mystery sort of behind him you know um like with the scars and you know um the constantly changing the stories to mm-hmm. where that came from yeah like, uh, like I thought that was a, um, you know, the why, why so serious thing. Like, uh, what were you trying to prove? That deep down, everyone's as ugly as you. You're alone. Can't rely on anyone these days. You gotta do everything yourself, don't we? That's okay. I came prepared. It's a funny world we live in. Speaking of which, you know how I got these scars? No. Yeah, you know, like that that his his character, like it, it didn't seem so like uh scatterbrained. Um the the Dark Knight Joker, right? Okay, the Dark Knight Joker wasn't yeah. as scatterbrained as the as, Phoenix Joker. Yeah, as the Wacken so Phoenix. Heath uh, Ledger you find more kind of in control? Yeah. Like he's mental. But he's in control, you know what I mean? Like there's a there's a smartness, like a a, a, a sort of geni- mm. genius behind that yeah. Joker. Um, uh, Walking Phoenix's Joker, I think, is just like it. It's just pure, pure scatterbrain madness, and everything that sort of happens around him, like him creating this movement. Um, by basically defending himself because he was getting beat on by three men which you know fair enough he was already mental and he was told that he shouldn't have this gun it's it's a jesus moment though isn't it as well yeah like him setting up this entire revolution isn't intentional it's not what he's trying to do at all he he literally goes and acts and then yeah following him yeah and there's this shot of him on top of the blazing cars with his arms outspread you know, it, it it the comparisons are, are I think are, are there. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with the previous cinematic Jokers? So Jack Nicholson and, and Tim Burton's Batman. I haven't seen that one. Uh, um, ever? I don't think I've ever seen that that Batman. Oh gosh. I've right, seen I'm, I'm, I've seen Penguin. Uh, I'll break you know, curfew. With, and I'll chuck it around. The one with Penguin, and I've seen the one with Myths to Freeze. 
Right, yeah, you don't need to have seen that one. <laughs> or just, yeah. yeah, what um, about that way? Is that Batman Returns or something like that? Or? I get Batman Forever and Batman Returns really yeah. confused because they're both really kind don't. of relentlessly terrible films. Batman Returns is the best of those four Batman films. That's Kilmer, isn't it? No, it's Michael Keaton. Batman Returns, sorry, yeah. Batman Forever and, and Batman and Robin are the two you're thinking of? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben, I'm not sure if you're aware. Have you ever seen the Adam West Batmans? The Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> I a campy TV series in the 1960s, but they also did Shazam. Um, yeah, I, I've seen a couple of them. Okay. Um, you ever see that Joker? Y- yeah. He's he's kind of um, I feel like he's more like the comic book kinda. Depends which comic book era you're talking about. Yeah, obviously I'm talking about like early comic book era. Yeah. Like, you know, um, he's more like that, uh-huh. but he just seems to be like like a field <laughs> a field clown kind of you know jokester. Like he's a jokester, right? You know the the gun with the bang, and then you know everything. Well, he he doesn't seem to really achieve what he's after, like you know going and stealing a bunch of money, and then gets none caught of the doing villains it. in in sixties Batman yeah. ever achieve their aims. You, you know what you I mean? Know. Like it, it it's it just seems very light hearted, and you know, <laughs> you know, kind of it's thing. It's pure camp. Yeah, it's pure camp, um, and sort of a, a campy Batman. You can't have a convincing villain um, yeah. opposing him. Yeah. Um, I think the Burton kind of bridges that gap. I mean, when the, the Burton films are coming out, Batman has just dived into darkness in the comics in the 1980s. Um, and that's sort of starting. I mean, if you, you hire Tim Burton to direct your Batman film, you're going for a specific type of Batman. You're going for a particular aesthetic. I don't think Burton captured that um, I no. think those are Burton films as opposed to Batman films but um, it's, it's I think at that time I'm not sure there was would have been a director more able to translate the, the darkness of Batman um, to a comic book movie which mm. I mean, again comic book movies in the sort of late 80s early 90s that certainly weren't weren't the industry that they are today um, yeah with the the Burton Batman, I think there is a sense of of the Joker changing and evolving, and I think this is sort of the start, certainly in terms of cinema, um, of of the Joker's descent into madness properly. That we're actually sort of he's no longer just a he's not just a comic book villain. He's not just someone who who sits there and makes crappy jokes. No, and you the, get you get Joker origin story, uh-huh. um, really as much, and more so than you get Batman origin story in in Batman. Oh my gosh! I'm so tired of the Batman origin story. I really do not need to see another version of yeah, it. Please yeah, well, just get that bit and get to the film. Well, it's 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 kind of like it in Joker. I mean, it's there. It's kind of like Spider Man though, as well. It's like how many Spider Man yeah. origin stories have we had? You know, we don't need to see. We know his uncle dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We know Batman's parents die. We don't need <laughs> to see that. We've seen it like four or five times now already, you know. But I like the take that uh, the Nolan Batman did on the origin story, where instead of coming out of Zorro, he's coming out of Deflator Mouse. I haven't which... seen it. Haven't you? I haven't seen it either. No, I realised um, so. I missed Batman Begins. I saw Dark Knight, and I think I saw the third one. Um, but I will have to to sit down and watch the three. Yeah, you, you do definitely need to see. It. I mean, it, that's that is Batman origin story par excellence i mean it's it really is it's the most detail i think that that really anybody's gone into filmically with batman's origin story mm. um <clears throat> but it's obviously called batman begins also it's got raz al ghul in it i mean I, I i do have a sneaking soft spot for raz al ghul i don't think i have a particular favorite batman villain um as joker's too easy a choice i find them fascinating and i find the relationship between joker and batman fascinating which is another kind of sort of issue i had with with joker as a film um because that kind of symbiosis it's it, it the, the the differential in their ages i mean you've got a man in his 40s and you've got um a sort of a preteen bruce wayne that that's that completely shifts the the, the par um power dynamics between the two of them um there there should there should be a symbiosis between i mean the whole 
interrogation of, of uh, Joker Batman's relationship is about, you know, which one is is more damaged? Um, they need each other. They they rely on each other. We I mean, Lego Batman, for goodness sake, Lego Batman understands this. Mm-hmm. Lego Batman made an entire film about how they need each other and how they can't exist without each other. And this this film, that's a really troubling power dynamic because that it, it it really it hands all the power to Joker. What what, ab- what about the 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 fact that Joker came out and and uh, Suicide Squad came out as you know two two Jokers at the same time? Well, I mean, or, there was this, there was Suicide Squad, and then as as Rachel says, Lego Batman yeah. was out around about the same time as well. Um, it means we've got three slightly different interpretations of Joker within about a year. Two years. Yeah. And Lego Batman, Lego Batman's not afraid to make Joker really sinister. I mean, there are some shots of Joker and Lego Batman where you know that the, the smile, the the grin curls back, and the teeth are like fangs. Mm. He's really terrifying looking. Um, that will haunt your nightmares. It, but yeah, you're. I mean, we got we got these three very different interpretations, and and Jared Leto's Joker. We we in a way we've actually seen so little of him. Because of the limited screen time he gets in Suicide Squad, um, according to some people, allegedly because he wasn't very good, um, and he's not very happy. I <laughs> wasn't very happy about Joaquin Phoenix getting his own standalone film either. Um, yeah. There's more than one Joker. That's there the thing. is. Yeah. If you're going to complain about stuff like that, then you really shouldn't be um, in the unwatchably awful iteration of Joker. I, 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 that's the one and only Batman film, well, Batman related film that I couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. I just, I had to turn it off. It was what, so Suicide bad. Suicide Squad? Yeah. I rarely abandon a film yeah. before the end of it. I, I'm a completist like that. I couldn't with Suicide Squad. It's just, it was awful. Well, uh, we could easily debate the merits of every single one of the Batman films. Mm. Yes, we could. Do you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I know we'll keep Rachel really, really happy. Um, but I want to talk about the mental health aspects of this film. I think this we is... really need to talk about the mental health aspects of this film. This is the thing that, that seemed to divide audiences quite <laughs> quite evenly. Um, I, I heard people who were so, so upset by the way that, that this was depicted, possibly because, as you know, as you've sort of already alluded, this is a really, really dark film. I do think it has some redeeming qualities. I think there is a bit of joy in here, but it, it it's pretty bleak. Um, but other people thought that, that, you know, the mental health presentation was actually pretty solid. And I have to say, I'm one of them. Um, okay, I find that I d- interesting. What what's what mental health um, uh, illness, what mental illness was he presenting with? Oh, I think there's several... Uh, I think it was generic Hollywood mental illness. You think so? Generic Hollywood boogeyman mental illness. Um, I, I see. This is the thing. I'm, I'm really conflicted about this. Um, I, I don't think this film has a straightforward answer to whether or not it's um, damaging or um, enlightening about mental health. Um, I think a lot of what it's talking about. You know the the expectations of of how people with mental health are are expected to function in society and expected to become invisible in society and expected to just become good little sort of uh, patients that um and 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 that's what Arthur Fleck is initially trying to do um, and the discussion about the cuts to social services that mm. create this. Possible situation for him, I think, is really, really important conversation that needs to be had. Increasingly, needs to be had. But ultimately, this is a film that conflates mental ill health with extreme violence, and that's an incredibly unhelpful stereotype that that just it needs to be addressed and it needs it needs to be confronted. Um, because statistically, people with mental ill health are far, far more likely to be the victim of violence than they are to be the perpetrator well, he, of violence. He, he, he was a victim. Yeah, but it turned him into a mass killer, a, a conscienceless mass killer. Well, it did say that he had gotten brain damage from from being beaten yeah. and abused as a child. And, and that's, yeah, that's the and other thing. I mean, without his medication as well. 
but he refuses to take his medication. Well, he couldn't get his medication? He couldn't, but then he stopped taking his medication and and he becomes the boogeyman. He becomes the boogeyman of the violently mentally ill person who will not um, conform to... And and it's... I just... I think that's a really damaging stereotype. Until a while ago, it was like nobody ever saw me. Even I didn't know if I really existed. Arthur, I have some bad news for you. You don't listen, do you? I don't think you ever really hear me. You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. But you don't listen anyway. I said for my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do. And people are starting to notice. They've cut our funding. We're closing down our offices next week. The city has cut funding across the board. I Social get, services is um, that why why this annoys people. And you know, part of me sat there watching it, quite angry to a certain extent that this was the depiction of mental health again. That, that it's a, it, it, I mean, it's not a positive depiction of mental health at all. Um, no, this, this nor, nor says, should it be. I mean, I think if you're going to um, engage with the realities of what it's like to live with mental ill health, then you need to engage with the fact that it's not sunshine and roses. But it's as, also, it is also fair to say that, that there are people out there in the world who are like this. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and so whilst we maybe are partaking a minority of people who've got mental illness, um, what we are doing though is probably there's a huge amount of people who are, are psychopathic killers mm-hmm. um, and it's tapping into that and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing what it actually does do though is give us a little bit of appreciation for, for, for why he is the way that he is it but gives him a bit of humanity of, even the majority of, of um, people who meet the diagnostic criteria for psychopathy which is not very well defined anyway mm. the majority of them are not violent offenders they're not people that you would want to encounter in your business life because they will absolutely shaft you, but they're not violent offenders. Um, what was it he says there? The worst part of uh, having, mental illness, having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I love that sentiment. I love that sentiment, and I love just how alienating it positions mental ill health as being. That's why I say, I mean... The, this, this is a film that has got some really good stuff to say, and that's why I find it so conflicting. Um, it's. I just, I just don't think. Well, how should I mean? There's, there's the question then. How should it have been depicted? If, if you're going to say that the Joker is a character who is suffering from some kind of mental illness, what do you expect to see on screen from him? Well, that's that's the thing, and that's why gritty origin and Joker are not necessarily cinematically compatible, because ultimately you have to end up by saying that you know this is this is the story of a man whose mental ill health led to him becoming uh, a mass killer i mean if if we pretended for a second that this wasn't a batman film that, that mm-hmm. this wasn't joker that it, this is um a, a a a criminal this is criminal mastermind number 4 well, we've um, got that film already, effectively, haven't we? We've got Taxi Driver, which is about the story of a, a man's descent into um, mental ill health that ultimately manifests in violence. Right, and, 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 and but, okay, so we've got lots of films that we've had before. We've got mm. more than enough Batman films. We don't need another Batman film by that logic. Well, no, I'm, and I'm not arguing that... I, I suppose it did come across as I was arguing that that was a reason to not have it, but... Um, it... It... The the thing, right? So, the Joker as with Batman. (laughs) No, the the Joker as with Batman. I mean, clearly neither of them are healthy people, Um, and the only way for that not to become a commentary. I mean, Batman has Arkham Asylum, and they just chuck everybody into it. Becomes you know, sort of quote unquote criminally insane people. Um, But because it's so cartoonish, it's not commenting um, on mental ill health as the precursor to violence 
Uh, and I just, I really don't think it's it's a good idea to ignore the fact that this conflation is dangerous to people with mental ill health. It's actively dangerous because it promotes this stereotype of the, the criminally violent person yeah. with mental ill health when the, the reverse is true. Well, I mean, you know yourself from our, from our conversations that we've had as a group and from the events and stuff that we've done also within Zinnipunkt, um that you know we we we've tried to sort of point out repeatedly that being having a mental illness being labeled with with a mental illness doesn't mean you can't function as a normal human being Absolutely. doesn't mean that you're not part of the world mm-hmm. um but i where's think where's that film th- though where is that film but, about the person who is coping with their mental ill health the way the vast, vast, vast majority of people with mental ill health do. I, I, the, the narrative conflict is absent, so it's not particularly interesting. But, you know, any films that, that try and deal with it, they're dealing with it in this kind of either, you know, the the tragic sort of, oh, look at you, aren't you, aren't you fragile and delicate? Or, you know, point and laugh or be afraid. But I mean, there has to be something that that that's cinematic about. It. There has to be a story. There has to be dramatic tellings, and ultimately, we we want that sort of high drama. I mean, this takes me watching this. This takes me on an emotional roller coaster. I, you know, you sit there and you feel for him. He is beaten up repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just for doing his job. He's trying to get by. He is framed by somebody who doesn't who who, who takes advantage of his mental illness. You know, his work colleague who gives him a gun when he knows he's not supposed to have a gun. He's somebody who's failed by the system, you know, and just when he's trying to engage with it. And you can see him struggling. You can see that there are issues there with it. And then the system just goes, do you know what? We're letting you loose because there's no more money for it. He hasn't got a father. The the man that he thinks is his father, possibly because of his own mother's delusions. Although I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if Thomas Wayne was, spoiler, uh, was his father. Um, uh, it's a step too far for me. Oh, but I mean, this, this. But this is a narrative that in, in cinema we've had recently. We talked about this um, when we did the Austin Powers conversation, talking about Austin Powers and Doctor Evil, but also uh, James Bond and Blofeld, mm. our our siblings. This is this is not an uncommon narrative now within this kind of film. Uh, it's really lazy writing, though. <laughs> but it, it's oh. it's Luke. I am your father, basically, and yeah, I come at me. Okay, I I do like the Star Wars universe. It's not my franchise, but I do like it. But Luke, I am your father, and oh, turns out we're twins. Um, that's that is really lazy writing. Yeah. <laughs> See, you can't even argue against it. You're 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 gatekeeping Batman from the rest of us. I, I'm not intending to get Kate Batman. I mean, but that's I, but not I the argument I'm making here at all. My yeah. argument is that that we need. Well, you to do, said that we, films need to do better with this. The very, very best. Um, I don't think it would be the same Joker if it was handled uh, differently. You wouldn't. You wouldn't be the same Joker. Like. Um, you know normal guy uh has mental illness uh goes about society as normal um like without the mental breakdown lead to violence uh and lack of support that he had like if it was handled differently it wouldn't be the same movie and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the joker you know it wouldn't be the joker if he if he was handling his urges (laughs) yeah so like like Batman wouldn't be Batman if I, he had dealt with his parents' death in a healthy way. Yeah, like I don't think the Joker was meant to be some kind of, um, you, you know, uh, portrayal of mental illness. You know uh, that that uh, you know people with mental illness can't be normal and don't always have uh, violent tendencies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like um, the Joker has violent tendencies, and like this is just his, this is like his origin story, but it has to be handled that way to be the Joker. Well, I, I suppose we we have a perception of what the Joker is. We we think we know what that character is, and increasingly he is a violent sort of psychopath. And mm-hmm. um, what this film does do. 
is it gives us uh, um, it, as you say Ben you know it, it gives us the backstory it helps us to get to where where we understand them to be um, it may not be a depiction of mental health that 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 is positive that it's something that we you know we wish to portray on a regular basis hashtag not all mental illness um but yeah. that doesn't mean that it's not the appropriate way to tell this particular story that it's not the appropriate backstory for this character to get to this point yeah i can see rachel looking at me with with sort of i'm not completely buying it robert <laughs> I see what you're saying. Um, I don't I, know, like, how you're supposed to portray man, uh, like, 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 like uh, mental, mental illness, like, good. Well, you see, that's, the, that's the whole other question, though, isn't it? The that? Joker, because, like, I mean, uh, the very best uh, depiction of uh, <clears throat> mental ill health I've seen on screen, believe it or not, comes from Scrubs. You know that that deeply fluffy medical comedy. I hate um, that show. It's so yeah. It got really silly. I mean, the so first series was shit. something very different, but it, no, it got really it, silly. But they so had a, a guest appearance from Michael J. Fox, wasn't it? Um, and he was playing a, an extremely gifted surgeon with quite severe OCD. Um, and to begin with, um, it was played a little bit for point and laugh um but he was in on the joke he was he was batting back and he was he was owning it um and because it hadn't got in the way of his career it, it was it was obviously not it was a, a a significant um mental um illness in his life but then towards the end in one of the most moving sequences i've seen um zach braff's character encounters this the surgeon and he can't stop washing his hands and he's basically he's about to break down, um, and he he just says, you know, I'm I'm stuck here in this this loop. I've washed I've just washed my hands for the fiftieth time. I can't stop, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Um, and it was just it was such a gut punching moment, and it was played with such sympathy, with such empathy, with such understanding, that I thought that's how you do it. Now, you... Scrubs can do this, okay? Scrubs. Scrubs is legitimately one of the stupidest things. It devolved into pure stupidity, but that got it. That got it right. And as somebody who has suffered from OCD for 35 years, that's the depiction that I recognize. Mm. The high functioning, the getting on with your life, but also the, the fact that sometimes it owns you. Um... I, I don't want to get into an unpacking of that. Okay. That, that that's my temptation is to start unpacking. There there are certain things that we bring it. Up. Oh fuck! I'm going to do it anyway. Um, <laughs> like part of the, part of the issue with that though is that we know that Michael J. Fox has a degenerative disease. Yeah. And part of what part well, no matter I can't what he does that, that coincided with his his it, public. Yeah. He was in um, suits as well. And he's he's done a few things, and he each <clears> of the things that he's done have have. Has, represented that stuff but you know we know that about him and we can't help but project that onto him it's the same way if you watch the christopher reeve rear window and you see him in the wheelchair you know this is a man in a wheelchair and this is mm. all very real mm. that changes how we view these films if we had somebody an actor on this that we knew was was sort of in and out of the pits of despair um that that had had very mental health very uh, public mental health breakdowns and was then playing the part of Joker. Maybe we'd feel about it slightly differently as well, because we'd be saying, you know, we, we that that real and that fictional would be kind of coming together. Yeah. Okay, but then let's let's throw this out as a question. So why not? Because why why don't we do that? Yeah, um, because we have we rightly raised objections to um, issues of um, white people being cast in roles that that are characters of colour. We mm. have issues uh, where the questions are being asked, you know, if why are um, uh, uh, heterosexual actors being given um, uh, homosexual roles, whereas homosexual actors won't be given uh, heterosexual roles. Uh -huh. So why are we not actually asking that people with, with lived experience of these conditions are being asked to play these roles? Um, Is there not a risk that it might set them off or something like that? Is, is that not a risk? No? Well, people hire like, Robert Downey Jr. all the time. He's got a well-documented history of, of uh, addiction issues. Um, uh, he's, he's 
so you know there's there's a risk in hiring somebody uh, robert downey jr is one of my favorite actors i would pay to watch him read the phone book but you know you, you take a risk if you hire you know elizabeth taylor got pneumonia on the set of cleopatra cost them an absolute bloody fortune mm-hmm. you, you always have a risk <clears throat> hire somebody that that any ill health will cause an issue I think part, yes. I think that there is a risk of 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 sort of being triggered whenever you're you're in that kind of part. And I mean, I my very very limited experience. Um, I did a play a few years ago, and the play was about um, it was centered on an abusive relationship. Um, it was in a subtext. It wasn't immediately obvious that that's what was actually going on, but there's an abusive relationship within that. And for me, it just flagged up some some stuff that, that I'd gone through and some experiences in some darker places. And the further into rehearsals I got, the more difficult that was for me for a while as a performer. Um, and that's that's me on a very low scale. And I, I think everyone is slightly different. But yeah, I think it's a valid concern, a valid risk. That doesn't mean, though, that actors don't do that because actors are constantly putting themselves... Actors are the ultimate schizophrenics. I mean, they're jumping from role to role on a regular basis. You know, that the, they're always being somebody different. They're always projecting an image of themselves that is not necessarily who they are. Um, and they're, they're having to sort of go into to sort of interesting... Um, interesting spaces in their head um, I think the reason that we, we probably don't get those kind of portrayals or we do but they're, in, they're not in the mainstream cinema films maybe this is the thing is that those kind of more sympathetic depictions of mental health may actually be in art house cinema mm-hmm. which um, you know it, the majority of people don't go see art house films um, you know I'm bad enough I, I like an art house film but I don't see enough of them most people don't go see them at all. They don't turn up on the television, on, on the mainstream channels. Um, so people don't get the chance to be exposed to them. So they're not seeing these other depictions. They're not seeing the more positive stuff. And ultimately, you know, it's not going to work in the, in the same way. I think that I think that the criticisms of this film, I think that the criticisms of the depiction of mental health being a particularly um, unpleasant, particularly negative, um, not particularly... Uh, it's not a healthy depiction of mental health, or it's not a, you know, it's certainly not a depiction of a healthy mental person anyway. Um, I think those are fair enough criticisms, but I also don't think that there's any reason why this film shouldn't exist. I don't think that that's enough reason to say that this isn't a good film. This is a good film. This is an amazing performance. It is an amazing performance. You know. a, I, I've seen a couple of people criticise that, that the performance is having been in some way overdone. I couldn't disagree more. I mean, I, 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 again, I think he is possibly one of the most gifted actors working in Hollywood today. And the, um, the, the absolute submersion in that role is is just, it's it's evident. You know, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, I also can't. I also can't claim that you know the the sort of the visual references to Heath Ledger Joker um, didn't. I, I didn't. I, you know, I can't claim that I didn't enjoy those. I enjoyed those enormously. There were times when I was watching that thinking, this is probably what it would be like to watch Heath Ledger revisit that role. Mm. Um, you know, t- twelve years on. Um, I th- there's there's a lot of of parallels. I don't think this. I don't think this film would have existed without the Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. 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 You know, watching the two back to back yesterday, you know, you could see the the parallels. You could see the the, the, the delicacy of the performances. Um, I, before we kind of wrap this up, there's there's one aspect of this film that we haven't touched on, and us being cinepunked, I think it's something that we have to to address. Ben, do you know what I'm going to ask you about? No. <laughs> so, um, there there is a sequence within the film. Uh, Rachel, I suspect already knows where I'm going to go with this one. I don't. I'm fascinated though. The, the sequence within the film just as he sort of becomes the Joker for the first time and he takes a walk down oh the god right steps. okay I know where you're going with this yep <clears throat> what the, yeah. dan- the the dancing and uh-huh uh, and that's specifically the song to which he's dancing isn't it and the problematic um, connotations that that song yeah has. T-Rex or whatever isn't it's it? not T-Rex no, no not T-Rex no it's, unfortunately <laughs> it's Gary Glitter's rock and roll part two oh. um, not, is this that is, for Doctor Who or something they, they, they yeah. did there was a number one single um, produced by the KLF under the guise of the Time Lords and yeah. I think it was 1987 
uh, oh you're Doctor such a nerd <laughs> I, you know, I, we we cater for all nerds in this environment. Says the woman who's just gone into a long and yeah. in-depth talk about Batman canon, but anyway. Exactly, yeah. I've, I've got it on, on single and CD and everything. Um, of course you do. Yeah, of course on vinyl? Do. I've got it on vinyl and I've got yeah. it on CD. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the issue with that piece of music then? Because it's Gary Glitter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, there was part, So we've talked a bit about the controversy about the mental health, but the other big controversy about this film was the use of that music within that sequence. And what the, they later came out and said, the, the uh, music company, uh, Universal, said that, that Gary Glitter gets no royalties from this. We own all the rights along with another bunch of other people. So he gets no cash. So there was a, a newspaper article that sort of suggested that he was going to earn a whack a load of money, um, even though he's a convicted paedophile currently serving at Her Majesty's pleasure. Um, but yeah, so you so when you know that this music is 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 the music of a of a, of a convicted paedophile, this is not 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 one of those cases that we we've sometimes touched on of of an alleged offender. This is a convicted paedophile. Yeah. Um, do you think that's music that they should include within this film? Do you we, like the music? Do, I mean, we've does had it, does this conversation as city punk before. Are are you <clears throat> somehow not allowed? Does that to mean like like, like art because of its problematic? Yeah, it's, oh, it's like everything. Like like I don't know, Michael Jackson, right? People don't know whether he alleged. Offender. Alleged, you're right. We're gonna have to be so careful here. <laughs> no, we don't. He's dead. You yeah. can actually say whatever you want about him. Um, really. Yep. Okay. Level uh, laws don't apply when you're dead. Okay. You know, um, like I personally, I'm not a big fan of Michael Jackson's music, but I—that's just my taste. I, I never have, regardless whether he may or may not have uh, partaken in playing with children. Mm. Um, it's very delicately done, Ben. Yeah. Well, I'm recording this video, so I just got to put Rachel on screen there. She <laughs> she laughs herself to death. <laughs> Right or 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 take lost profits, uh, singer. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. He is a pedo. Yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. a pedo, and mm-hmm. um, he's locked up and doing doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other people in that band that mm-hmm. you know, like they didn't know what was going on. Well, I don't know if they did or not. Like, who, who knows? Like, who they, really knows? They, but they didn't. They were 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 shocked. Um, yeah. By all that stuff and yeah you're quite right they, they make no money now because because that guy fucked up their their whole stick like you know um there are other members uh, other people like yeah fair enough your man was the singer um of the band right yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know lost profits or whatever does that mean per- i personally i don't like the lost profits music Right, so uh, you know, it's just a. Uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Like, does that mean that you shouldn't listen to that music at all? You know what I mean? Like, is is that fair on the other guys in that band who created that music, and this guy just happens to be singing over the top of it? Is that fair for the other guys? You know, it depends. I suppose it depends on what what creative way the the song is split as well. You know, whenever they're taking their their money and you know, like. There, there are other people involved. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Like, it is, is it okay to, like, to be honest? When that scene came on, all I was thinking was Doctor Who, <laughs> Doctor Who. You know, whenever because I heard that song, whenever he was dancing down the stairs, I had no idea that was Gary Glitter. Uh-huh. Rachel, um, <laughs> just want to. I mean, just, just, I mean, if, if anyone hasn't listened to this before, we we did have a long conversation about this. It's up as our art versus artist podcast, um, and we did delve into some of these areas. And the conclusion of that was very split and very. Uh, yeah. I don't think we had a definite conclusion. I of that, don't but think it's possible to have a definite conclusion on this. Um, that art exists. The art um, created by any problematic creator. Mm. exists and continues to exist now what are we going to do destroy all the art um because we don't want to allow the art to proliferate from a problematic creator i mean that's that's censorship um and that's well, it's almost thought policing um so yeah it's not i would choose not to uh, support artists um, that have engaged in behaviour that I find abhorrent. 
just as a general rule, we've had this conversation, you said we did our art versus artist um, uh, conversation. And yeah, I don't think that was able to come to any definite, and I don't think it can come to any kind of definite conclusion because really it has to be an individual choice. Um, and I think the majority of people are uncomfortable with art that has problematic associations. Um, but what one does with that discomfort has to be a personal decision. Everybody has the right to make art. Everybody in the world, regardless of what what activity they may or may not engage in um, and what damage they may do, everybody has the right to art. They don't have the right to a multi-million platform. You know, I suppose... that's the difference. But but this this art exists and it is iconic and what can you do i mean it's a film that's that is well, rightly or wrongly trying to ask difficult questions anyway and it is trying to provoke and the, the argument is that you could just not include it you could choose another piece of music for the film i mean this is what other people will say to you that that, yeah. you know, that was the option that they could have gone with of course it was that might have been better for them um yeah. i mean to to express an opinion of my own on this one um <sighs> See, and I suppose also in deference to, to those people who have a problem with it is that they don't necessarily know when you watch this film for the first time that that music is in there. Mm -hmm. And if that's something that, that you find deeply offensive, the fact that that's there can be a problem for you as you watch it. But, yeah. you know, I, I, as you say, it is it is provoking. This film is not a film that, that that's sitting there, um, you know, making things easy for us. No, it is a and, film that starts off by trying to drill into your head and just gets progressively harder drill. You know, it's it's just... It, it's it's a film that wants you to react and it wants you to react angrily and it doesn't mind what direction that anger takes i think i think part of this as well is that this particular track you know i mean 1981 when this film set this is a track that was still doing the rounds it's a it's a song that still gets played occasionally at uh, american stadium events for sports because it just is, it's been in their their, their their canon of stuff for a long time they're more aware now than they used to be of the scandal around glitter um, because obviously it was a British act, they didn't care. You know, he wasn't big in the States, but that track was a, a track that had become an anthem. Um, but for me, it sort of works really, really well. I mean, I actually quite like some of the music of Guy Glitter and the Glitter Band, which is a terrible thing to admit. But like, it's it, not it, though. It it's works. It's not a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing to admit. You can. I, I think it's a, a terrible thing to support the actions that that man has taken. But oh no, I, I downloaded, I downloaded all this stuff without paying for it. You know. Okay, don't admit to that live on <laughs> whatever. You can't legislate for people's taste. I mean, that's that's a, an appalling level of control to try to attempt to exercise, and that exercise mm. that that exercise of control has to be undertaken by the state, and that's an appalling overreach. And I say that as somebody who's <coughs> quite far left in my political opinions, and I I'm I'm quite happy to have um, a, a lot of things legislated for me. Um, but you, you know, it's it's not a terrible thing to admit that you quite enjoy the music of somebody who you know. It's not a terrible thing to admit that you quite enjoy the films of a problematic filmmaker. What about it's a good you, thing to to interrogate that that enjoyment. But ben? sorry, Ben. Yeah. Um. J just going on on sort of similar well, um, vein, like 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 y you could do the same thing with like clothing companies, right? Mm -hmm. clothing companies which you know do not make their clothes the way they should mm -hmm. right but people still buy the clothes you know what I mean like knowing that they're, they certain companies would use um, I don't know you know shirt shirt factories or whatever in China with a bunch of children hand sewing things you know um or india or whatever it is like um but people still buy them yeah you know they have a choice um like it, it, it's sort of the same thing you know artist does bad thing but artist has made good stuff 
you're torn you're between a hard and a rock place are you a bad person because you like the music just because this person done. has done something terrible you know i i don't get it personally i can sort of i don't know i'm probably pretty cold and detached that way like none of that stuff really you mean you like joker yeah detach yourself from it yeah, i can just detach myself from it like i don't get bogged down by it you know i don't let it like there's too much other shit to worry about rather than than that you know but yeah you know are you a bad person for uh yes for <laughs> no. liking liking that 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 music like i don't see the problem but i'm i'm cold so no, I mean, look, it's something we we have discussed on the show before, and it's something I think that, that probably we'll have to discuss again at some point. I mean, one of these days we're going to end up looking at, at one of those problematic films um, and just have to deal with it. Yeah. Because that's the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's what you have to do. You cannot sit there on an island and say, I'm never going to look at this stuff. No. Yeah. As as a film theorist, um, if if you're going to have any kind of like serious engagement with, with a history of... of um, mainstream film you have to engage with the likes of birth of a nation you can find it abhorrent and you probably should find it abhorrent and if you don't find it abhorrent then i question some stuff about you but um you you have to engage with it you can't we we, we will save that one for our birth of a nation podcast can we not do a birth of a nation podcast please it's like it's 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 like 12 days long that film we're gonna do it, and you know, you're just gonna to have to engage with it. I Why mean, do you gonna... hate my happiness, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> I've just watched Joker. I mean, like, I am not in a happy place. <laughs> I feel that this is what we have to do. We have to address the problems with society. And have to. What the problem is. Have to. Is that yes. you? <laughs> yes, we do. We do. Um, look. So, in summing up, um, Joker is. It, are we? We're not happy. Who? It was two questions. One is it a good film. Yes, and the second one are, are are the problems with the uh, is the mental health depiction within this film too much of a problem for you to to get past? No, I, I answered them both. <laughs> Rachel, yes, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I there's I don't think there's any kind of subjective or objective rationale that could call this other than an exceptional film. Okay. Um, and you can get you can get past the mental health. Do I do I have to like it? Absolutely not. I don't have to like it. Um, I like bits of it. Um, there are bits of it that are never going to sit well with me. I definitely have have some issues with the depiction of mental health. Um, does that detract from the fact that it's an exceptional piece of filmmaking? I, I in all honesty, I have to say no. It doesn't. There we go. Probably not going to watch it again. Like. I probably will. I bought it, so I feel like my eyes were bleeding by the end of it. Yeah. She's so harsh. I mean, yeah. she'll watch the room. Yeah, endlessly. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I I thought it was an amazing piece of filmmaking. I came out of that film feeling affected. Um, and, and watching it again, you know, it still is is very very powerful. Yes, it's not the it's not necessarily depicting the mental health that I want to see as somebody who has mental health issues. I don't feel i'm there although i feel that bits of me are in that um so it's 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 sort of an uncomfortable understanding and i suppose there's always that for me there's an acknowledgement that actually if, if certain circumstances went a different way for me maybe i would be like him maybe i would do those things i don't know i hope not well so do i but is that not the whole point is that we hope not i mean thankfully i am not at a stage where i need to be uh, where i was abused like that as a child and where i um, need medication in order to function yeah. But that is his particular narrative within that film, and that's a whole other <clears throat> dissection. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, I recommend going and checking it out. Uh, it is definitely one of the uh, one of the standout films of 2019, and is a very different film for anyone who like me who's a little bit wary when it comes to superhero movies. This is great because it protect you know people think it's a superhero movie, and it's not at all. There's no superheroes in it. There's not even a super villain. Um, just a, just a psychopath. Yeah. Okay, folks. Um, thank you as ever <laughs> to my colleagues, um, Ben. Thank you. Good. Uh, and Rachel. Thank you. I thank me as well. I. I, I, I thank I, you, Robert. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to be acknowledged once in a while. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you will find us if you haven't already. You find us on social media. We're all over the place. It's Cinepunked. 
and uh, on Facebook and we're on Twitter and you'll find us on Instagram at Film. Our website is www.sunnypunked.com. If you like the podcasts, go and listen to some more. Subscribe. And if you're on one of those uh, podcast app things that allows you to leave reviews, please leave us reviews. We do like feedback uh, and it helps to inform what we do and we love hearing from you. Uh, and if you have any comments on this show, if you, if you just contact us on one of our social media platforms, slide into our DMs if you must. Chat again soon. Until the next time, adios. Goodbye. Bye.